What are the impacts of teaching interactions? This podcast is created to support all interaction teachers by clarifying inquiries, boosting morale, and connecting an academically informed community. In each episode, you'll find testimonials and brief interviews with teachers, writers, and other leaders in public school education. Are you ready to interact? Hello, interactors. In this episode, you will hear from a writer of the Interactions curriculum and high school science teacher, Kristen Mayer. You are about to listen to part three. If you haven't listened to part one yet, please go back to the main page of the podcast and click on part one of episode one, and then come back to listen to part three. Ready to interact? If you're still listening, it means you are ready for part three. I hope you find it encouraging, clarifying, and supportive. What was it like in Michigan for, for transition to interactions? And um, did you think it would be the same in, in California? Um, yeah, I, so the, the first school we started working with in Michigan had um, a, a really small department. I mean, like the, there was one high school in the district. There were th three science teachers, I think, working on interactions. Two of them had worked with Joe Krejcik on other projects in the past. So they like had an idea of the like um, project-based, you know, having a driving question, like those weren't completely new ideas to those teachers. Um, but then like, as they had some retirements in that district and new people coming onto the project who were not as familiar with that stuff, like, um, we realized we needed more training and support for the teachers to kind of like transition. And so that's where like Angie and I really started doing the um, protocols for like reflecting on student work. And I think like those came from protocols I had used in a professional development program I was in when I was teaching in Seattle. And that was like, what started my own transformation as a teacher. And so I knew how powerful that practice of like taking time to reflect on student work and like question what students were thinking in that kind of like safe space of like being able to just look at their written responses and not have to be on the fly in the classroom. Like I knew the power of it. I knew it through my own experiences. I knew it through the experience with the teachers when we started implementing that in Michigan. And so like, I think I trusted, like the same way that I trust that my students can figure out a phenomenon if I give them enough time and enough data, I trusted that the teachers could figure out kind of shifting their own practice if we gave them the space to try it and experience it and reflect on it. like. I experienced it myself. I've seen lots of teachers experience it and like I trusted in that process. And so um, I don't think every teacher has like the same trajectory along that path, but I've seen lots of like growth and I, I trusted in the process. And so I was excited to see that 
process playing out again and see where it led us, you know, new and interesting in a new scenario. Yeah, so in Seattle, um, there was a grant when I started teaching there that um, PTOS, Professional Teachers of Science, I think was what they called it, but they, it was a grant to pay for extra um, professional development for science teachers. And so it was, I think it was two week long summer workshops where we would delve really deep into content. And then during the school year, once a month, we met for an hour and used a protocol to look at student work and analyze student work. And so like we, you know, like the um, eight chemistry teachers in the district would meet once a month and one of us would bring some student work and we'd run through that protocol. One person would facilitate, one person would be sharing work and we'd rotate those positions. And I just, I mean, it, that, that PD learning experience like totally transformed me into the teacher I always wanted to be. And it was really interesting because I was one of two teachers at my high school in, in Seattle. And the other teacher I worked with had like a very different approach than I did to teaching chemistry, but like through that process, we both really grew and developed a lot and like both experienced a lot more success in our chemistry classes, even though we still both had our own unique approach to teaching chemistry. Like we both grew a lot through that process. And, wow. you know, he still did more like textbook stuff than I did, mm -hmm. but he would do it in a way that was more engaging for the students. And like, we both kind of um, developed a lot of ways of getting our students to think about what's happening in chemistry a lot more and mm -hmm. just both had a lot more success in our classes, even though we also both still taught in our own unique way. Mm -hmm. um, and so that like just working so closely with him because we were the two chemistry teachers in our building, but also with the chemistry teachers across the district and really delving into that protocol, like it just really, I grew so much, so much from that. And like, I saw a lot of other growth in my co-teacher from that. The protocol that Kristen's referring to, um, what, is there a name for it? Um, I, the, the original name I encountered it through is the consultancy okay. protocol okay. for analyzing student work, I okay. think is the name for it. And it, I was introduced to it through this professional development, but they got it from the Coalition for Essential Schools. Okay. Okay, great. Thank you. Yeah. I, I just wanted to uh, explain the process a little bit so that um, the teachers out there who are curious, now that they see the impact, how interactions can be <laughs> born from such a process or the seed can be planted. It's, um, it's a process that Adam and I went through in interactions, we uh, Adam provided some of his student work, and I was uh, like, kind of like the crit critique or evaluator 
in a way where I would just ask clarifying questions about the student work results, probing questions about the student work results, and then um, talk about what I was thinking out loud within specific time frames. And this, this consultancy protocol is made for, um, I think, probably groups of four or five or more. Yeah, groups, I think five, like eight is definitely the max, I think. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, and if, if you only have four and one person's presenting and one's facilitating, like five to eight, I think is like the recommended. Mm -hmm. and, and so um, I remember going through that with you and Adam and I have never seen an evaluation of student work where, where it wasn't judgmental. This is a very um, safe space for teachers to ask questions and to give feedback where the presenter or the person providing the, the student work is just listening, listening or answering questions that could help the teachers present um, get a better idea of the context of the student work, but also what was the goal of the student work. And um, Adam, Adam and I are gonna do that this, uh, this fall. We, um, we talked to Ahem about it and um, you know, Adam, I guess he's never forgot that experience either. <laughs> and, and, and so, um, yeah, Adam, you want to add something? Yeah, I, I think since Mike and I have been working with LAUSD teachers for the past few years, as interactions has been adopted, I think we've found that having this kind of protocol reduces the intimidation factor. I think when people are trying to deal with a new way of teaching that's so much different than what some of them have been doing for years and years. I think just looking at what they're expected to do is a little bit scary and being in this sort of supportive environment where we can have small groups working with each other and other people are talking about what they're having trouble with. I think it just makes people feel, feel a little bit better about what they're doing and it, and it empowers them to work through the struggles that they encounter as they're teaching a new curriculum. So I think this sort of thing, it's, it's great for anybody adopting a new NGSS curriculum. I think we're kind of happy that we're going to be able to do it with interactions teachers this year, even yeah. though we're doing it online. So we're, yeah. you know, we're, and, and we did it online when we were, when we were going through the process because mm -hmm. LA is a huge district and, we had to interact over a large distance. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it, I I remember when I first was introduced to that like consultancy protocol, and it's like you have five minutes for this, and you have four minutes for this, and only this person can talk at this time. And I was like, this is so rigid. We're professionals. Just let us have a conversation. But then after going through it, I realized like how helpful that was to a. It it stuck to an hour long meeting. And you got really deep in that hour and it like cuts down on like side conversations and getting off task because like you have five minutes for this thing and then you move on to the next thing. And I think too, like you're saying, Adam, to really give that kind of safe space to share what I'm struggling with and, and to hear from others of what's hard or like having that like set procedure also helps kind of like set that safe tone because we all know like 
the expectations of this meeting and like what's happening. So I, it's, I found it to be a really powerful protocol to use. Thank you for listening to the Interactions podcast. In part four of this episode, Kristen will answer questions such as, what is an effective protocol for analyzing student work? And how did Mike and Adam use this protocol to build community with other interaction teachers?